it's been a joy and a privilege to have uh, Pastor Jim with us uh, this last week. Uh, I told him one thing. I said, my hospitality is very not very good. And so uh, I hope he was feeling very at home in the last few days. Uh, but the good news is that this afternoon I'm done with him and I can let him go. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. We love you. So good morning. Praise God for being able to worship together with you. Uh, this is uh, a great time. I mean, you're almost full. You know, this, there's no letdown from COVID. This is amazing. So praise God for all of you being here. Uh, are you enjoying worshiping? Uh, you know, I was thinking as we were worshiping, it's like, can I just not speak? Can I just keep on singing? I mean, this would be so much better. Um, but it is just a joy to be able to worship with God's people. Don't you agree? And uh, <clears throat> so Pastor Don says that he does not have the gift of hospitality. And I will agree with that. <laughs> I played golf with him. He is not hospitable when you golf. He is mean. He is he's nasty. He humiliates people, his friends, you know. No, I, I really want to appreciate Pastor Don, the whole church, all of the staff, all of those that have welcomed us. Uh, it's just been a really joyful experience. And the, the cool thing is that we, we really sense that God brought us here just at the right time. You know, when you know that you're in the center of God's will and you know that the Holy Spirit is doing something, and then you get to be a part of it, I mean, there's nothing better than that. So just on behalf of our team, thanks, Don. Thanks for all of those that organize. Thanks to the Lord for what he is doing here in Bali. <clears throat> and let me introduce you to the rest of our team. I think it's appropriate. First, my lovely wife, Louie, Dr. Louie Welchel. Um, Obviously, the better-looking one of the couple, okay? So, and then we have Paolo and Charlene. And they are newlyweds, okay? So they are having their honeymoon in Bali. <coughs> uh, actually, we're making them work during their honeymoon. There's something wrong with that, no? <laughs> uh, and then we have Kyle and Peavy and... Uh, <clears throat> I won't do my normal introduction of Kyle, but you look at him, just ask yourself, who does he look like, okay? And if it's not Jesus, it's Bin Laden, okay? So, anyway. <clears throat> but uh, we are just so glad to be able to be a part of what God is doing here in ICC, IFGF. And I'm from CCF, and that's too many letters, okay? But, you know, it seems like that God is using letters these days. This is great. Now, this morning, what I wanted to share with you is actually something that is really, really on my heart. And that is something that I hope uh, you will also share the same passion that I have and that I think all of us need to have. Um, where do we find that passion from? Well, of course, it's what Jesus tells us is important. Um, do you know what your purpose is here on earth? Do you know why God put you here? Do you know? Some of us are not really sure. And today I want to point out to you some things 
that may give you a good indication of what God has placed you here for, okay? Now, I'm not going to tell you all of the details. That's between you and God. But the overall trajectory, the direction that God wants us to go as believers, he laid out to us in Scripture. He said, this is what's important, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So why don't we pray together as we begin and ask God to speak to us. Father, we thank you just for the amazing opportunity that we have to worship you. Father, just to lift your name on high, to exalt you as the King of kings and Lord of lords, and even more, the Lord of our lives, that you have touched us, that you have saved us, that you've given us that amazing privilege of knowing you, knowing the creator of the universe, who has touched our lives through the spirit to change us and mold us to be more like him. Father, we ask that today, as we look at scripture, as we see what you have given to us as your purpose for our lives, that we would align our lives to what is important to you. Father, speak to us through your spirit today. Not the words that I say, but Father, the words that you would have us hear. Lord, would those be deeply embedded in our hearts today? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so I know that all of us, we have gone through COVID. How many people love COVID? Um, none? Wow. I thought, you know, you guys would see what a wonderful thing COVID is. No? Not so much. Okay. I think you're right. None of us really have enjoyed COVID. It has been a test for all of us. Some of us have lost livelihood. Some of us, we've been touched by people that are loved ones that perhaps have gone ahead of us. Uh, we have, in many cases, experienced difficulties that probably are different than anything that we've ever experienced in our lives. Being locked down, not being able to see friends, not being able to be with loved ones. You know, we see depression, we see difficulty all around us because of what has happened. So why are you still here? You ever thought about that? Why has God continued to put you here on this planet in the midst of all of the things that are going on? Well, I don't think that it is a coincidence that you are here. I believe that God has a purpose for each one of us. So what is that purpose? Well, I'd like for us to look at something that I think gives us a clue to the purpose that God has for each of us. And I'd like to look at a passage which is very, very powerful for, for me. It's found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And uh, what I want to do is preface this by telling you the situation. You remember, Jesus had died. He had risen from the dead. And just before this passage, he tells his disciples, I want you to go before me into Galilee. He says, I am going to to meet with you in Galilee. That was their home. That was where they were from. He says, I want you to go to Galilee because I have something really, really important to tell you. Okay, now, just think about that. He could have just told him right there. It's like, guys, by the way, I have something I need to tell you. He didn't do that. He said, I have a special message for you, and you need to go from Jerusalem to Galilee, which is like a two-day, three-day walk, and I want to speak to you about something really, really important there. And so they went. And when they got there, 
This was what they were told. It says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, when you think about the most important words that people tell us, can you think of a more important thing than the last words that someone says before they are going to depart this world? That's what this is. This is Jesus' last words to his disciple, or some of the last words that he spoke. So this is really important stuff. This was his marching orders to his disciples as he was about to depart this world. And so we need to pay attention to what it is that he's telling us to do. So what does he tell us? He says, first of all, I have been given all authority. So it's like he is the commanding general of the army, and God has said, okay, you're in charge. Anything that you need to do, you have the authority to do. And then he tells us as disciples, this is what you need to do. You need to go and make disciples of all nations. Okay? That is why he has the authority. It's like God has the authority to make disciples around the world, but he's going to do it through us. He's not going to do it by himself. In fact, he spent three years with his disciples preparing them for this moment. Three years. He was teaching them. He was discipling them. And then he says, this is the command. This is what you need to do. You know, I think if I were to look at the way that Jesus prepared the stage for this, this was pretty dramatic. It's like, this is it. Guys, you've been wondering why it is I've been doing all of these things with you. All of this preparation before I went to the cross, it is to prepare you for this very thing. So what is it that we are supposed to do? Well, in this verse, there's several verbs. One of them is go. One of them is to make disciples. One of them is baptizing. One of them is teaching. I want to ask you a little question here. Of those, which is the key verb in this, this verse? Do you have any idea? What do you think is the key verb of those four? You guys are so shy. Just like your pastor, you know, so shy. <laughs> Nobody's willing to take a risk. You know, we just prayed that you all would be fearless, you know, that you would have power. And then I ask you a question. So what, what is the main verb? Hallelujah. Go. Unfortunately, it's wrong. <laughs> the key verb in this passage is make disciples. Okay? Actually, the word, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show off right now, okay? In the Greek, <laughs> The word go is actually, as you are going, make disciples. So wherever you go, you make disciples. So the key of this verse is not going, although that's important. Because as we'll see in a second, you can't go to all nations without going. Okay, Impossible to sit where you are and make disciples of all nations. Uh, the nations won't all just come to you and say, 
I'm lining up, I want to be a disciple. You know, you have to actually go. But the key here is that our task is to make disciples of Jesus. Now, what does that mean? It means that we should baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We need to teach them to obey everything that we have been commanded. And by the way, what did he just command them? To make disciples, right? So if you are going to disciple people, then what are you going to teach them? To disciple people. And if you're discipling those people, what are you going to teach them? You're going to teach them to make more disciples. So if you think you are here to enjoy the wonderful worship that we just experienced, sure, that's part of being a believer. But to be a disciple means that you are going to make disciples of others as well. You are not here just to be entertained. You are not here just to feel good about having a, a good relationship with God. God has actually called you to a purpose that is much higher than that. And that's what I want to talk about today, because that is our calling. That is our purpose. Now, I know that there are some of you right now that are saying, uh, Pastor Jim, you know, I'm not really full into this, you know, being a Christian thing. I'm still just discovering. That's cool. Don't worry. You're at the beginning of your journey. You're going to get there. And don't worry if you're not there yet. Okay, that's fine. First, get to know Jesus. That's the most important thing at this point. But for those of you that have been in this for a while, or maybe you know that you have that relationship with Jesus, and you're still not really certain what your purpose is in life, let me tell you, this is where your purpose comes from. Why is it that you're still here? Do you realize that if you just are here to worship the Lord, you're going to worship a whole lot better in heaven than you are here? You're going to be spending eternity doing that. But something that you will never be able to do in heaven is share the gospel with another person. You're never going to be able to introduce a person to Jesus that doesn't yet know them, know him. Because we can only do that in this side of eternity. So what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to make disciples of all nations. We are supposed to baptizing, baptizing. My, I don't speak English very well, okay? It's, I'm still struggling, so pray for me baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That means that we want to have them identify themselves as followers of Jesus. But then after that comes teaching them to obey, not just to be a Sunday Christian, but to obey, to be transformed, to allow God to change their lives, and then to do the same with other people. Okay, let's go to the next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Okay. Now, I just want to point out to you, as I said earlier, you are not going to reach all nations if you just stay where you are. And, and I'll say this. Being here in this church, worshiping the Lord, boy, that sound, that, I could do that forever, right? It is so good to be in the presence of God. But if you want to see people all over the world come to know Jesus, you can't do that from inside this building. You have to do this out there. It's about being out there. It's about going. Now, you may not go to the ends of the earth, but you certainly can go to your neighborhood. 
You can go to the people nearby you. You can go to your workplace. You can go to your village. You can go, and perhaps you're from another place, you can go back to where you are from and take the gospel with you wherever you go. So you can't think of Christianity as something that happens inside this building. You agree? Well, two people agreed, and one of them was the pastor. That's not a good sign, okay? Do you agree Christianity isn't something that just happens in the building? Amen. I was told this is like a Pentecostal church, and I'm really not feeling it uh, right now. Okay, so when we talk about making disciples, it means that we need to get out of our comfort zone and actually go and do something. And praise God, I've already seen the way that this, this church has a passion for reaching out in the community. I, I really sense that this is a passion that you have as a church, is not just to leave Christ inside this building on Sunday morning, but throughout the week to be out there and actually connecting people to Jesus, letting them see Jesus' love through your love for, for them. That is what being a disciple maker is about. So can we go to the next verse? After Jesus gave the Great Commission, he had another very important message to give to his disciples. And this is happening just before he is resurrected and then ascending into heaven. He's resurrected now, but he is about to go back into heaven. So these are the very last words that he says. It says, so when they had come together, so his disciples were gathered together. This is back in Jerusalem. They were asking him, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Notice the question that they were asking. They knew the end was coming, and what they wanted to know was, when are you going to establish your kingdom? When are we going to reign together with you? You know, when is Jesus coming back? If you've been asking that question, is Jesus coming back soon? You know, this is a really quiet group. I'm not sure. I, okay, that's kind of subdued, you know. <clears throat> Let me ask you again. Have you wondered, is Jesus coming back soon? You know, in the midst of COVID, it's like, is this the end? Is this like God's judgment? And then Jesus is going to come back? And I don't know about you, but we, we watch these threads online about people debating, oh, is Jesus coming back before the tribulation, after the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation? And you've got people that are talking about all of these things. And it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We've been there before. That's exactly what they were asking. It's like, Jesus, when are you coming back? When are you going to start the kingdom? Guess what Jesus' answer was? He says, it's not for you to know the times or epics which the Father has fixed by his own authority. He says, don't worry about that stuff. Leave that to the theologians. Let them debate about that. That's not really important. What's the next thing to do? Yeah, you can clap for that one. Leave that to the theologians. By the way, I hate to admit it. I got a PhD, okay, so I'm sorry. But... Anyway, so what does he say? What is important? What is important? It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part 
of the earth. He said, this is far more important than what day I'm coming back. I'll come back. Don't worry about that. But you be ready to share the gospel with people so that everyone in the entire world will know Jesus. And my question to us is, does everybody, has everybody heard yet? Has everybody around the world heard the gospel yet? Has everybody here in Bali heard the gospel yet? You know, we still have a job to do. We have been given the authority. We've been given the power. We've been given the marching orders. But the question is, is the job done yet? And I believe it's not yet done. And I think that's why we need to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. We need to obey the Great Commission in the power of the Holy Spirit so that every person in Bali, every person in Indonesia, every person in Southeast Asia, every person in Asia, every person in the entire world will know who Jesus is. I need an amen, please, amen. Okay, so notice here that it says both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even the remotest part of the earth. What's Jerusalem for us? It's Bali, it's here, this is where we are, this is our home, this is where we begin. But we also need to be thinking of Judea and Samaria, what's that? Maybe the other islands in Indonesia that have never heard the gospel. Places that are nearby, they're culturally near us, but we haven't yet got the gospel to them. And then you have the uttermost parts. Those are the remotest parts, places where it is difficult to go to, where you need to cross cultural barriers and geographical barriers to get there. Now, some of us would like to pick and choose. What is our job? Is our job just Jerusalem? And then we leave Judea and Samaria to other people, and then the remotest parts to the really radical people that are like me, that are missionaries, you know? Weird people, strange people like us. That was a joke, I'm really not that strange. Just a little strange. Is that the way it is? Well, let me illustrate this by showing you a couple of pictures, okay? The X's shouldn't be there, okay? That was in my PowerPoint, and anyway, never mind. Let me ask you a question. Do you like cake? How many of you like cake? Okay, it's like almost 100%, okay? I think we all like cake. How many of you like ice cream? Wow, even more, wow. The people that haven't put your hands up yet, I think you're lying, okay? I don't believe you, I know. You know, there are certain people in church, no matter what you say, they will never put their hand up. But if you don't like cake and ice cream, there's something wrong with you, okay? <clears throat> so when I was growing up as a kid, my parents were kind of strict about desserts. And so sometimes we had cake and ice cream, but they wouldn't let me have both. They would say, either you have cake or you have ice cream. Do you like making those choices? No, I like that. We've got a kid that is very honest. I like that, okay? Of course, we want both, right? I wanted both, and I love chocolate ice cream and chocolate cake. It's like chocolate overload. It's the best thing in the world. But my parents wouldn't let me. 
Well, this passage is not an either or. If you go to the next, this is what the passage is about, okay? It is both and. We are to go to Jerusalem and to Judea and Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. So our role is not to choose cake and not ice cream. Our role is to be involved in everything that God is doing, both here where we are, as well as everywhere else in the world. So it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of, or the remotest part of the earth. That's both and. Do you know that you are a missionary? You are. You are called by God to be involved in taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the end of the earth. You're going to start here because this is where you are, but this isn't where, this isn't where you end. And you don't wait until all of Bali has been reached with the gospel before you think about other people. You need to be involved in the cake and the ice cream. You are part of both and. And that's why we have a role to play in God's kingdom, which is really a vital role. So your purpose, if you are living your purpose, is to be involved and to respond to that call. Now, how do you do that? Okay, so we go to the next passages. I'm going to skip over a couple of things. <clears throat> Notice in this passage what happened as a result of them waiting. As soon as they waited, this is what happened. It says, now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crown crowd came together, were bewildered because they each were hearing them speak in their own language. You realize that from the very beginning of the fulfillment of this great commission, God had already put people in Jerusalem from every nation, from all over the world, speaking every language. And what did they do? They heard the disciples, the apostles, speaking in their own language. You know, God is amazing. From the very beginning, he already had planned that he was going to start this Great Commission thing by bringing everyone to Jerusalem and having them hear the gospel in their own language. Isn't that amazing? By the way, I know we're probably going to end up talking about speaking in tongues somewhere along the way, but <laughs> we, we have this little thing going on, so I'm kind of like conservative, but I'm okay with speaking in tongues. That's fine. <laughs> anyway, but it was God's design from the very beginning to use this speaking in tongues so that everybody in Jerusalem would hear the gospel at one time. You know, God's desire, God's design from the beginning is that everyone everywhere is going to hear the gospel. Everyone everywhere has the opportunity to know Jesus personally. And he has given us the privilege of being a part of that. You realize what an amazing thing that we can do? You know, angels can't do this. We're the only ones that can do this. We're the only ones that have the privilege to be able to take this amazing message that has changed our lives to be able to tell other people about it. 
Let's go to the next one. I just want to tell a couple of stories because you may be wondering, is God really doing this? Is he still in the business of taking the gospel to places like this? And I just want to tell a couple of stories. This is among the Hmong people in Vietnam. It's up in the mountains. This is a group of people that is absolutely despised by the Vietnamese government. And they especially can't stand the fact that there are many Hmong that are coming to know Christ. We have been doing the same training that we just got done introducing. We haven't done the training yet, but we just introduced it in the conference. They have been practicing this. And in that area, I don't know the exact number, maybe a couple hundred house churches have been established in that area among people that previously had no idea about the gospel. But when they came to know Christ, they didn't get a free pass to, you know, Starbucks to be able to enjoy their new Christian life. The government and the surrounding villagers did not, not like what they were doing. You can see the next picture. <clears throat> next one. This is a family that came to know Christ in one of the villages. As soon as they came to know Christ, they were kicked out of their village by the village. The village government said, we don't want you here. Being a Christian, we don't like you we don't want you here you can never come back to your village again and the next picture please <clears throat> this is what they did to their house they tore down the house and they said never come back again you know many of us don't realize the the sacrifice that many people go through when they come into a relationship with christ but this family is standing firm. This family is continuing to walk with God. <clears throat> Other Christians helped them put together a tent outside of the village. Uh, they have relocated now, but they are still standing firm in their faith. Here is a group of people that is persecuted, but when they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, they decided to follow Jesus. Another story. <clears throat> this is a guy by the name of Purpu, not purple, Purpu, okay? Purpu is one of our partners in Nepal. Uh, looks like a beautiful picture, right? He is a trekking guide. That's how he, he makes a living. And as he is trekking, he shares the gospel with people. And uh, he has been working with people in the Tibetan area. These are people that are just staunchly Tibetan Buddhist. And uh, literally, they have been stoned when they went there to try to share the gospel with people. <clears throat> One of his colleagues uh, was going to a village where there were a few believers, and they went there to be able to conduct a wedding. And when they went to the wedding, this was in December. Don't ask me why anybody would do something in December in Nepal, but they went to this place and on the way back from the wedding, um, they were caught in a snowstorm, in a blizzard, and this pastor died. He literally froze to death. You know, that's the cost, the sacrifice that they make of going into these places to be able to share the gospel. And after that, God raised up other people to take his place, and they are still going back to those places to be able to take the gospel to people that are difficult to reach. Next story, please. <clears throat> this is, uh, we were beginning to do this training in China. 
And some years ago, we had, this is MC squared, the same thing that we were uh, introducing the last two days. And there was a, a lady there. I can't show you her picture. But this lady, ordinary housewife. She is married, has kids. <clears throat> I mean, if you would look for her, you know, in the picture, you wouldn't even be able to identify her as someone really special. But she went through one phase of the training. She didn't even go through the whole thing. And then went back to her place. We lost track of her. We didn't know what had happened. And then about three years later, four years later, uh, someone, one of our friends, ran into her and said, how is it going? And we asked, are you now starting to plant churches? And have you seen people come to know Christ? And she said, yes, we've seen people come to know the Lord and we started churches. And they asked, so how many churches have you started? And she said, about 800. Woo! Now this is in China where there is persecution against believers and it's getting worse. The government is becoming stricter and stricter and yet uh, after we met her again, we continued with the rest of the training, and now she's up to around 1,200 house churches. God is just at work. Another last story, I think. This is in India, and I share this simply because the area that we're working in India, doing the same training that we are introducing here, is working with Hindus. And this is a Hindu area in, in Bali. And you may be thinking, well, it works in those places. God may be at work in Nepal, or he may be at work in China. But what about in a Hindu place like this? This is in North India. And this is a house church that was started by one of our guys. They have seen 30,000 house churches and small groups started in the last 10 years in that area. Almost 100% among Hindus maybe a few Sikhs, a few Muslims. But this is a place where God is at work because there are people that are willing to go. There are people who are willing to pray for them as they go. There are people that are giving to support the ministry there, and God is doing amazing things. So what are we supposed to do? As we close this time, I just want to suggest to you that we all are called because it's both in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I don't know what God is calling you to, whether it's to go to another place and to be a missionary. Praise God if that's true. But all of us are called to take the gospel to our neighbors. All of us are called to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. All of us are called to pray for those that are ministering to others. All of us are called to share financially in the burden of being able to reach out to others. So I would just like to suggest to you as we close this time, if we can go a couple more slides, how will you respond? And the next one, please. I'd like to suggest those three things. How many of you can pray? All of us. I know it's those ones that can never raise their hand. I know those people. But even the people that can't raise your hand, you can pray, right? All of us can pray. And I tell you, when you start taking the gospel to people, it's a spiritual battle. We were here 
last Friday night as we were praying for Indonesia. I believe that we accomplished more that night in praying for Indonesia than all of the training that we can possibly do. Will you commit to praying that the gospel would go from Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, the uttermost parts? Be part of praying for this, this community. Pray for the training that we'll be doing in the next few months. Pray for those that are going to reach out to others. Really commit to pray that God would open doors for the gospel that cannot be shut. Second, give. Now, I have heard that you guys are one of the most generous congregations I have ever heard of, okay? And praise God, I want to give you, this is my clap offering to you guys. Because I know you are generous people, but you know what? We can do more. There are outreaches that the church is doing that need financial resources. They need people resources. Giving of yourself and your service is a way to give as well. You know, there is opportunities to reach out that need your resources. If God wants you to do that, you need to respond. But some of you, you need to go. It may be just going to your neighbor next door. It may be going perhaps to one of the outreaches that they are doing in some of the villages nearby. It could be that you need to go into your workplace and share the gospel with those that are there. Are you willing to go? Because that is what God is calling us to do. I want to give us just a moment just to quiet our hearts, to pray, and to ask God to speak to us today. Let's just bow your heads, close your eyes, and ask Jesus to speak to you. Lord Jesus, in the quietness of this time, we ask you, how should we respond? You've given us a clear commission to make disciples of all nations. You've given us the power through the Holy Spirit, and you've given us the pattern to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Father, how do you want us to be a part? Just right now, between you and the Lord, just ask him, how do you want me to respond, Lord? Lord Jesus, I thank you that we have the privilege to partner together with you to see the gospel of Jesus Christ go to every person, every people group, every language, every tribe, every nation, every place in the entire world that your name would be known and people would have the opportunity to follow and to know and to love Jesus. Lord, I know that's your heart. That's what you desire. And you need us, us, just ordinary people like us, to respond to your call, whether it's to go, whether it's to give, whether it's to pray. Father, would you give us a heart to respond to your call? Father, we love you. We worship you. We honor you. 
And it's our heart's desire that people everywhere around the world and here in Bali, every person would have the chance to know Jesus like we know him. Father, we love you. And we respond as unto you. In Jesus' name, amen.